This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast keeping you in the loop with the latest from the English top flight. Hit subscribe now and never miss an episode with a new show every single day of the season. Olivier Giroud needs out of Chelsea. Those are the thoughts of France boss Didier Deschamps, who suggests the big front man needs a change of scenery if he's to be in the picture for next summer's Euros. As a famous Londoner once said, should he stay or should he go, we'll discuss on the show. Also, the crisis deepens at Liverpool, with Jordan Henderson and Andy Robertson joining the Red Sick list. Where does Jurgen Klopp turn from here, with an important game against Leicester coming up next for the champions? Plus, we'll switch from one side of Merseyside to the other in Floodlight Focus, where Robert from the Carolina Toffees will be talking about Everton. But what about from Floodlight to Spotlight? Because certainly the attention has been on non-league club Wrexham for the last 24 hours after a Hollywood takeover, including actor Ryan Reynolds. We'll get the views of Wrexham fan Andy Gilpin, as well as asking who our preferred celebrity owner would be. I'm Niall, and with me on the podcast today, we've got straight-talking Stefan Armstrong. How are you doing, Steph? Hi, Niall. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I mean, I'm looking forward to the international break being over. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> boring, too. isn't it? Me too. It's very, very boring. Scraping the barrel in terms of news to talk about. Yeah. Old Ryan Reynolds I mean, buying Wrexham has definitely given us something to discuss. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, I feel like today's podcast will be a little bit like... Do you know uh, when you watch Question Time and there's always a funny last question? You know, just like a little bit of a... <laughs> throwaway. Oh, yeah, throwaway. So uh, in preparation uh, to the throwaway questions on today's podcast, uh, my favourite football boot is the Adidas Predator. Which one? 98 or Mania? I like the O2 Na- version, the Mania Na- one. The original one, the spiky ones. All right. The very first one that came out. What about you, Marley? What's your favourite football boot? Oh, um... I like the um, the total ninety ones. Uh, they were like white and black or yellow and black, but I never had a pair. Um, so before that, it was probably the, you remember the champagne um, coloured Predator Mania ones. They were mint. Yeah, love them. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, they but were very good. Couldn't get a pair because they were too expensive when I was, when they were out. I was about ten years old and my feet were growing so quickly that like it wasn't worth soon, it. As soon as you buy a pair, you, <laughs> it wasn't worth it. Yeah, yeah. Rooney had the total nineties. I remember those. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, we won't talk about football boots for much longer because it's time for a review. Remember, Jim asked for some reviews last week on the podcast. We've got uh, another review and it's a five star review. So shall we hear it, lads? Yeah, always a fun. You'll you'll enjoy this, Stefan, because Football Social Daily, according to uh, this reviewer, Chris in New York City, has described us as the Joe Rogan of daily Premier League podcasts. Oh, wow. I don't know whether that means we're amazing or that we ramble on for two hours at a time and it's too too (laughs) long. But he's given us a five-star review and he says, keep up the stellar content. We need more Marley rants. Oh, Oh, brilliant. I've got a few more. Few more in the bank. <laughs> Just wait got... until we lose two one to Burnley, and the you know probably give Burnley their first win of the season when we play them next. Oh, he's going to tee off. There'll be one coming after that. 
Do you know what? I don't think we even play against them until about February, so probably uh, probably bang on that. <laughs> Thanks so much for the review from Chris in New York City. He's left his review via Apple Podcasts. He's left a five-star review. You can do the same however you listen to your podcast. Leave us a review. If it's five-star, then we're more than likely uh, to feature you on the podcast. We'll give you a little shout-out. So, yeah, leave your reviews. We really enjoy reading what you have to say about the show, and we enjoy doing it as well. So thanks very much for that, Chris in New York City. Right then, time to talk about football. And we're going to start by talking about Chelsea and their striker, Olivier Giroud. Now, obviously, it's the international break, as Stefan rightly points out. And uh, Olivier Giroud is a bit of a, a legend in the French national team. He's the second highest scorer of all time behind Thierry Henry. Um, but Didier Deschamps, the manager, says that Giroud must find another situation if he's going to get into the France team for the Euros next summer. Is that harsh, Stefan, do you think? Do you think he do you think he's done enough anyway, even though he's not getting game time at Chelsea to prove his worth in the French national team? I mean, he scored goals for them for Christ's sake. Yeah, he's he's brilliant for France. I don't know what he's on about. I'm having a look now, he's scored forty two goals in hundred and four games. I think the problem is is he's a bit of a two in one striker. It takes it takes him two games to score a goal. Whereas in Chelsea's uh, starting lineup and you got the young guys like Timo Werner and whatnot. You're probably looking for a better success rate than that. Um, and that's kind of been his career stats. Uh, so I can see why he maybe isn't getting into the Chelsea team. But I don't really think that translates uh, for international football. The case in point is going to be uh, Miroslav Klose for Germany. For the last maybe five or six years of his career, he kind of played a bit part in club in club teams. Uh, from Bayern Munich to Lazio. Um, he kind of had his, his heyday at Werder Bremen um, earlier on. Mm. Um, but it didn't affect the way he played for the national team because that team yeah, was set up around... Yeah, they took him to the World Cup, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he broke the uh, goal-scoring record in the World Cup. But the point is that that Germany team was kind of built around closer as, as a focal point. Um, and France have done the same with Giroud. And it's it's worked for them. It worked for them in the World Cup and it's worked for them since then as well. So I don't know why he would maybe suggest that not having enough playing time at Chelsea means the end of his national career. Because I don't think it really works like that. Um, but if I was Giroud, I wouldn't be happy with the game time I am getting at Chelsea. I'd probably be looking for another move. And I think he's still good enough to cut it in the Premier League at a decent level. So um, it's a strange one because there doesn't seem to be a problem in the national team. I think in the last international break, I remember him scoring a few goals. So it, it seems odd to highlight that as the reason why he wouldn't be playing for the national team any longer. Stefan thinks, Marley, that he could do a job at another decent Premier League side. But my sort of concern, if I was Giroud, would be if I am, if that is going to be the case... You know, is it not just going to be the same to what it is now at Chelsea for him? You know, he can't get into the team ahead of Werner or Tammy Abraham. If he goes to Tottenham, he's not going to get in ahead of Kane. If he goes to Manchester United, is he going to get in ahead of Cavani, Rashford, Greenwood, etc.? And you can kind of keep going on that vein through all of the top six clubs. So, you know, that's surely a, a case in point there that, you know, anyone that's going to a top six club or Giroud, if he goes to any other top six club, is going to find himself in a similar spot to what he is at Chelsea. Yeah, I think I think that's his issue. Um, I think in previous uh, years, when he signed, his contract was up. Uh, was it like a year ago when it was like it looked like he was going to leave Chelsea, and then he ended up signing a new deal. Um, and it, at that point, I think he signed a new deal because he wanted to play for a European a club in Europe. You know, the Europa League at, at a minimum, or the Champions League, and he backed himself to do that. But you know. If you do that, you're always going to face increased competition and it's easy to leave out a 33-year-old striker because all these teams are looking at, at the future in the next few years. So if you've got Werner and you've got Abraham and you've got Giroud, it's easier. I think Giroud is one of the most underrated players in Premier League history um, in terms of what he does. I think he's, he's the complete striker. The only thing he lacks is a bit of pace, but uh, the, the amount of goals he scored is, is unreal um, for, for a guy who's done it for as long as he has. Um, but it, having said that, you know when you're 33, it, it is easier to to look to overlook him a little bit because you're looking towards the future. You you tend to think, well, we can't rely on Giroud for ages. You know, if he starts 30 games this season, he's probably not going to start 30 next season. So we have to, you know, look elsewhere to to try and future proof our our team kind of thing. But 
I think if you played for someone like, you know, slightly lesser uh, team, maybe, you know, uh, a West Ham, uh, a Leicester, for example, I think he could even do a job there. You know, in terms of if, if you put him in the Leicester team, he wouldn't start over Vardy, but he could certainly get more games than he's doing at Chelsea and, and bring, you know, I think he'd fit in perfectly in that Leicester team, if I'm honest. But I don't think he wants to play for, for teams that aren't, you know, the big, big teams. And I think there has to be some sort of compromise made. You think he needs to accept that he's not going to play every week if he stays at a Champions League club or a, um, or a Europa League club. He has to kind of take what he can get. And I think maybe enjoying the last few years of your career... Um, as a regular, is probably better than than going around Europe being a, a bit part player. And um... do you think that is the case though, Marley? Do you think that he 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 will be second fiddle at a Champions League club, or do you think that it's just the Premier League in in that context that you think maybe you might struggle to get regular game time? Uh, well, everyone's different, but I mean. Because I personally think he'll fit in perfectly into German football. I mean, I don't know which club. I mean, Stefan will be able to shed some more light on that. But personally, I think he's a perfect mould for the German league. Uh, yeah, but I'd, who though? Like Dortmund. Um, Dortmund look to younger players. They they you know give youth a chance, kind of thing. Leipzig are the same, um, and you're never getting in Bayern's team. So those three are, are pretty much out of the question straight away. So. Again, then you're looking at you going to like a Hoffenheim or or, or a, a Leverkusen or a Munch and Gladbach, and <laughs> you know Munch and Gladbach have got two Ram and Player up front, and they're they're doing quite yeah. all right. And then you've got yeah, you know everyone's got options. Basically, the, the top clubs have got options, and and that's why it's harder to get into the team. So you know, I don't know. Maybe go back. Do you not to, think he would be perfect for Newcastle United, Mally? No, he's too old for us. <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't buy him. Uh, yeah, he's he, he would be he would be great, but as I said, I, I, I'm a I'm a fan of his. I think he's a great striker, but his wage it's not it's not doable for Newcastle. His wages and his age, we wouldn't take that chance on him, especially when we're literally just treading water in the middle of the table. But in his prime, I would have loved him, um, and maybe it would, you know, I think Arsenal got him from Montpellier all them years ago, and it's kind of like it's just a little. You know, if you look hard enough, there are players there that are, uh, you know, that can come in and do your jobs. I think Montpellier won the title off the back of his his goals. Um, and of the two, Newcastle went and signed uh, Remy Cabella, and he was f-ing useless for the entire <laughs> two or three years he was at this club. So yeah, um, yeah, less about our our transfer spending, the the better, to be honest. I think the issue here from Deschamps' point of view, the France manager, he says that, you know, he must find another situation, to use his quotes, and January is the only real time that he's going to be able to find that solution because, of course, Euro 2021 has been uh, has been pushed back to, to next summer. So, you know, you know, his only real time is to kind of make sure that January gets the, the right thing done for his future international career. I mean, should he be looking for a loan move, perhaps, Stefan? And then that way he's still got options open when he comes back to Chelsea or at least then he's a free agent and he can kind of pick and choose where he goes. Yeah, yeah I guess so. But I come back to my first point. I, I don't get why why he's kind of bringing it up. I mean, especially if it's for for next year's Euros. I don't think that, re- that really matters too much. Looking looking at the other players that, that France have got up front, um, they're all kind of quick, nippy players who tend to come in off the wing. Looking at Anthony Martial or Kylian Mbappe, just offers something else. He's 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 the French Peter Crouch, and and I think that should continue for at least until next summer um, for the Euros. No matter where he's playing his football, even if he's not really playing much football at Chelsea, he just offers something different. And the the guy's a prolific header of the ball, um, and he'll he'll bag you two or three goals in a tournament just just from being scrappy in and around the box, and he can finish a ball as well. So. I don't really know why it's a big problem. Having said that, I'm not the um, national team manager of France, am I? So what do I know? Well, Marley said he was one of the most underrated strikers. I think he. I think I totally agree with that. He's one of the most underrated strikers in the Premier League of all time. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Steph. Yeah, in moments, I just don't think he's been prolific enough over his career. He's always. He's always. It's probably even a bit less than uh, one goal in every two games. So to to be a real world-class Premier League striker, you need to score more goals, I think. But 
The goal, I mean, like, there's been a few occasions okay. where he's scored absolute wonder goals and you think, who is this guy? And those moments of, of those glimpses of brilliance um, do make for interesting watching. So I've, I've, I've enjoyed having him in the Premier League and I'd like to see it for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's fair enough. So I guess what, what are we saying then, apart from the fact that we don't agree with what Deschamps is saying? Are, are we saying, Marley, that he should stay at Chelsea, he should leave in January? I mean, that's kind of it's almost like an ultimatum which has been thrown down by Deschamps. I mean, I don't know whether you would kind of veer one way or the other in terms of what you think you would do if you were him. Uh, I'd probably just secure the Euro squad by going out on loan, maybe, or... You know, I think Abraham and, and Werner aren't going anywhere at Chelsea, so maybe have a look at a little loan spell somewhere. But again, that raises issues with with his contract and, and stuff like that. But I think just get out and play football. If you if you have aspirations of, of being in the France squad, you, I think you've, you've got to play. I don't think that's a, a massive ask. I think you are asking too much if you're not playing. So so go and play somewhere. Well, you mentioned the loan market and maybe Liverpool might have to look at the loan market in January because their injury troubles have worsened. Now with Andy Robertson going down in international duty for Scotland, their entire back four, at least their best starting back four, is injured. Uh, Jordan Henderson's also injured too and he's going to miss the England game uh, in the Nations League this couple of, next couple of days as well. So the stats suggest that Liverpool have actually been the worst injury hit club in the Premier League this season, now, we must caveat this and say that Liverpool are hoping they'll have Robertson and Henderson back from injury by the time their next Premier League game takes place after the international break. But still, let's just say that doesn't happen. The injury crisis there is worsened. And surely, Stefan, they have to start feeling the effects of that soon. We said when Virgil van Dijk went down that they might start losing games because he's such a huge loss to them. They didn't. They've won everyone since. And then, of course, we spoke about the fact that Thiago got injured, huge player for them in the midfield, and then Fabinho got injured and they still keep winning games. But now Trent Alexander-Arnold's gone, Robertson's gone, Henderson's gone. It's looking really thin for them. And, and like I say, the effects of that are surely going to have to come to the fore soon. Surely they've got to start losing soon, don't they? I really want them to start losing soon. It's going to make things a bit more interesting. You know what I mean? Come on, bring it on. <laughs> um Hopefully they might have a bit of a Leicester City effect. Um, so uh, last month, the entire Leicester City back four was basically out and somehow they came through and started playing really nice football. Um, so a bit of strength and depth. Uh, maybe maybe a few players getting a chance as well. Um, could, could, could keep them going or sustain them at least for a little while. But you've got you've got to think that if if your entire back falls out, then you'd be hoping as a non Liverpool fan that um they're gonna start dropping some points, aren't they? I mean, who who are they gonna play at the back? Joe Gomez is out, isn't he? Is is he out for a long time, I'm guessing? Um Yeah. I think that, that it could be six months or more. Okay, so yeah, who 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 would they play at the back? Reese Williams. Phillips as well, that young lad Nat Phillips who can play at the back. Um, but it, it does feel like that kind of yeah. that shadow squad, Marley, that they played in the FA Cup against Everton last season. When you know the kind of the joke was it was a Merseyside derby, which Everton were gifted to them on a plate, and the Liverpool kids kind of rolled them over. It might be that Jurgen Klopp just has to call on some of those players because I guess that's the whole point. You give them first team experience, you give them first team games and senior football to get them used to a possible situation like this. Yeah, it's one of them. Um, you know, you've got to rely on players you might not have expected to rely on in uh, when the season started but you know they're, they're certainly scraping the barrel at the minute I think Robertson got a bit of a knock didn't he uh, and missed the Scotland game uh, against Slovakia on Sunday uh, I was watching the um, the Wales versus Ireland game on Sunday and then Nico Williams was playing it right back and halfway through the first half he, he sort of cramped up and looked like he was injured but I think he carried on but that's another thing to keep an eye on. And I was thinking, geez, if he goes down, like who who else have they got? Because now... Set Vandenberg. You know, minute... <laughs> well, Joel Matip, unbelievably, is actually <laughs> yeah. not injured. So, I mean, you couldn't make it up. They've got nine Honestly, injuries and Matip isn't one of them. Yeah, it's probably the, the most bizarre thing to happen in 2020 that Liverpool's entire back line is injured, but Matip is, is the one man, <laughs> the, the last man standing. Um, it's crazy, but I mean, you know, a strong breeze will, will bring him, you know, the knee injury or something like that. So he's bound to go down at some point. At the minute, I think they've only got Fabinho um, and possibly Robertson if if he recovers in time. But oh, Jesus, I mean, it's gonna it, they're gonna have to patch it up. But you know, every team gets injuries, possibly not as bad as this. But 
you know, if if there's anyone equipped to do it, you'd probably say the Premier League champions should be available, uh, should be able to to cope with something and still get a, a team out. And I think that they're, they're helped by Man City being a, quite a way off them in the league so far, um, and maybe that'll give them that, a little bit of a cushion, and they can they can keep that cushion by the time they get some of the bigger players back. But I don't know. We'll see. It's time to see what they're made of. I suppose everyone's got to go through difficult patches, and this is this is one of them. Yeah, definitely. Nine injuries at the moment for Liverpool, which is the most of any Premier League club. Two more than any other side. Andy Robertson, Fabinho, Thiago, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joe Gomez, Jordan Henderson, Virgil van Dijk, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Mo Salah, of course, has got coronavirus picked up on international duty with Egypt. So that is a serious nine players. And you could make a case, Stefan, for all of those getting into the starting eleven for Liverpool on a regular day. Yeah, they probably would. So it's... Yeah, the 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 uh, Carlin Cup. No, what is it called now? Carabao Cup. Carabao. The Carabao <laughs> Cup experience of last season um, is is probably gonna pay dividends. Hopefully for them, uh, they'll grind out a result somehow. They're annoying Liverpool. They'll 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 win one nil uh, for three or four weeks on the trot, and and the players will come base and refreshed, and then they'll go and win every other game at season. That's that's what they'll do, which is really annoying. So. Yeah, but the next game's Leicester, Stefan. The next game's Leicester on Sunday. Um, well, all, so... all, their, all their first team route injured as well, anyway. So yeah, it'll be true, like watching a reserves team, um, yeah. <laughs> a reserves game. Um, yeah, don't know. Premier League champions, and as as Mali quite rightly says, they've, they've had a bit of experience last year, and um, and they're the champions, so they'll find a way around it. So yeah, I can't feel sorry for them. No, and there's no good time for your players to get injured. But if we are going to pick one, this is probably it for Liverpool. Like we say, we've got Leicester next, if you're a Liverpool fan. And then it's Atalanta, Brighton, Ajax, Wolves, Mitchelland, Fulham, Tottenham, Crystal Palace, West Brom and Newcastle taking you just after uh, Christmas. So, you know, the fixture list... Watch, they'll, they'll get every single player back fit when they play Newcastle and absolutely kill us about 9-1. <laughs> You heard it here first, I bet you. <laughs> well, it's very, very possible. But like we say, some of the teams in there, Fulham, West Brom, Mitchelland, Crystal Palace, um, a couple of tough tests against Tottenham, Wolves and, and Leicester City. But the rest of the games, you'd expect them to put up a decent test, even without key players. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, um, as you know, as I said before, you know, you've got to rely on the squad. Um, and part of part of the Premier League is... is being able to to win when you're not quite at your best, I think that's the old cliche. That's what champions do. That's how you grind out wins and stuff when you're not quite at your best. And sometimes that's whether you you're not quite at the best, like you're not clicking, or whether you're not at your best through personnel. Um, but it's yeah, it's gonna be uh, quite a test for uh, for Klopp and, and everyone. But I mean, they've got the the Champions League they're, they're well in charge of that group I think they've won all three games haven't they in their group so they're, they're practically through that I think they need another point to probably secure it so you can you can rest a couple of players um, in those games they've still got options up front I mean Firmino's not injured they've got Minamino Shaqiri uh, all these players who can and deputise for, for Salah and, and even Mane if you wanted to, wanted to give him a rest so they've still you know it's still not exactly a complete crisis because they can still outscore teams um, and and take on that classic thing of well sod it we're going to try and beat you three two or four three if if our defence is rubbish so uh, they've still got Allison as well so it's not like you got to rely on Adrian trying to trying to muddle his way through a few games so it, it's still not a complete crisis but I mean the defence is 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 iffy especially if one of Fabinho or Matip uh, goes down in the next couple of weeks yeah definitely we will have to keep an eagle eye on Liverpool to see how they get on, particularly with Leicester being their next game. And as Stefan points out rightly, both teams ravaged by injuries at this moment in time. Of course, we'll have a full preview and match review of that game uh, when it takes place on the Sport Social website. And you can go and check it out, sport-social.co.uk. You can also get us on your smart speaker. All you need to do is ask your device to open Sport Social. Right, time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily. And afterwards, we'll be switching to the other side of Merseyside, to Everton, as they're the featured club in Floodlight Focus. And we'll also be going all the way to the United States because it's Rob from stateside supporters group Carolina Toffees who will be speaking to next. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows and that way you won't ever miss another episode. Again, new shows every single day of the football season and every day during the week here on Football Social Daily. We do a feature called Floodlight Focus, which is where we look at one of our 20 Premier League clubs. Today, it's the turn of Everton and joining us all the way from the USA, from Carolina, I believe, we've got Robert from Carolina Toffees. How are you doing, Robert? I'm doing well. How are you? Very, very good. Now, we have to say we admire the dedication because it is very, <laughs> very early in the morning where you are stateside. Um, I imagine it's been quite easy getting up early this season to watch your beloved Everton because mm. I imagine you had to do that a few times over the years, particularly with the start they've made. It's tailed off a little bit now, but you must be pretty proud of how the boys have performed so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was certainly a lot easier at the beginning of, of the season. Um, the last couple of weeks have been uh, one of those uh, why am I getting up this early type of things uh, where it's it's 7 o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh, okay, let's see. Here we go. Um, and it's 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 been sort of the, uh, you know, Everton that type of situation um, <laughs> that kind of resounds um, around the, the club, it seems, for a, a lot. Um, of course, there's been a lot of things going on with, with injuries and uh, players being missing and, and that sort of thing has been really hard over the last couple of weeks, especially given the way the season started. We were like, oh, well, maybe this is going to be the year where we're actually going to you know, maintain contention and, and that sort of thing. And, and so the, the last couple of weeks have made it have made it harder in that regard. Like, uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> well, Everton are a passionate bunch. Evertonians are. I know quite a few of them and they absolutely love their football club and the passion really emanates from from that stadium, Goodison Park. It's one of my favourite grounds, actually, in the Premier League. And I feel like that they've kind of been shredding water a little bit, Everton, over the last few years. There's kind of been signs that there might be some improvement and the money has been spent by the owner, Mashiri, but it's never quite materialised. Now you've got a top-class manager, you've got some top-quality players in the likes of James Rodriguez, for example. And it feels like that switch has been flipped, so to speak, and that Everton really are kind of a force to be reckoned with, even though the results have been poor the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the thing that uh, that we've started to notice is the, the depth is still not quite there. Um, with you know Richarlison being out from the the red card from the from the the Liverpool match and um, Thomas Rodriguez got knocked around in that match a little bit too and has not been really the same since in the games that he has played um, you know uh, Lucas Dean Dinier being out the the one game that he missed it's it really the drop off from the the top player at those positions and those in you know in their cases three of the better players in the in the in the in the competition the next man up isn't exactly <laughs> quite of the same quality and so you you get the the last couple of of matches that we've had where it's like oh okay well there's still there's still some some holes here where you know other other top you know groups in the, in the in the league can can have a second guy run out there and it's like oh well he's not quite as good as as the as the starter but he he can get the job done um but uh but i i think that's the that's the place we're at right now is that we have all these this this group of top players and then the second level isn't quite there um you know where where it needs to be and i think that's going to be the next step maybe in january maybe over the summer i i, I think <laughs> we would have been fooling ourselves to say oh this is it's all fixed like we got you know four or five new players over the summer and now everything's good and that's that's certainly not the case and i think that was the the sort of false positive of the start of the season a little bit was like okay now we're all we're all good to go and you know maybe it's a a, a europa league side maybe it's a you know a top a top six pushing for that to get into the champions league. But um, frankly, I'd be a little worried about the, the depth of the squad with that much competition next year. So um, hopefully there, that's kind of the next step. And I'm sure, you know, Carlin knows that <laughs> and is aware of mm. what needs to be, get done. Mm, yeah, certainly. So, so you definitely want to see some money spent in possibly January or, or next summer to kind of strengthen those weak positions, as you say, because, you know, the strength in depth is something which makes the Premier League such a tough division because it feels like almost every club has got an adequate replacement if someone does go down with injury. Right. Is, is that something you certainly like to see in January, a bit more money spent for Everton? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, as as hard as it seems to <laughs> to say that, because it's been you know three or four years now in a row of just you know throwing money at the problem. Um, but I think this is the first, obviously, with with Ancelotti being in there, this is the first summer um, where they've the the money seems to have been spent, you know, intelligently, and <laughs> we're not you know bringing in three number tens at the same time, uh, for example. Uh, and so we're able to kind of look at this and and say, um, okay, well, we know where the holes are. You know, we need a you know maybe a, a right back because you know Seamus Coleman, God love him, is getting on and in age and showing that and he just hasn't been able to, to stay in there. It doesn't look like John Joe Kenny is of, of the, the top class that, that we're going to need to, to cover that. In fact, you know, and then figuring out is Thomas Rodriguez really a, a right winger or do we need to, to have somebody on that right hand side who can uh, provide more adequate cover so that he can kind of go more centrally, which is where he seems to want to go anyway. Um, you know, just using the the players that we have, because otherwise, it's the the question becomes, you know, are we 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 spend this money on these good quality players, but if they're being used inadequately, and I'm sure you know Ancelotti has has some ideas about where they should be going, you know, it's that's a that's also not a good good use of funds. So I think, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a super busy January just because of all that's going on in 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 the world. <laughs> it's hard to. To bring players in at this point, but you know, starting to build that depth around these quality players, I think is is really important. Stefan, I know you had a question for Robert, didn't you? Yeah, it's a really pressing question, Robert. Um, obviously, <laughs> you're you're over there in America, and uh, your team yeah. is Everton, the Toffees. If there was one American confectionery brand, uh, preferably <laughs> makers of Toffees, who could sponsor uh, next season's shirt, who would it be? <laughs> A maker of toffees. Well, the only um, like toffee that I'm aware of is is the Heath Bar over here in the United States, which is sort of the the chocolate, a chocolate covered toffee candy bar, which is um, you know made by Hershey, which is not exactly <laughs> an, an an unknown brand by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. But it's a good one. Um, but I I actually am am staring across right now. A couple of Christmases ago, I I had somebody order me a a, a tin of Everton toffees, which I you know consumed, and then now just display the the tin uh, on my on my on my bookshelf. That's really oh, cool. Wow! Did did that come come from the Everton club shop? No, I don't actually know where it came from. I I found it somewhere online, and it's it's uh you know it says. A toffee tradition since uh, like 1752 or whatever it says. It's very small writing. I can't see it. That would have been some seriously good branding. That that would have been brilliant. <laughs> I love how you're proudly displaying the fact you've eaten all the toffees with no shame whatsoever. I absolutely <laughs> I, love that. Just I don't keep feel it on bad display. About it. I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> don't at all. blame you. I wouldn't either. Especially with Christmas coming up. Why not? And 2020 has been a bit of a, <laughs> a dodgy year for everyone. A little bit. Let's kind of take the Premier League away from it for the time being, Robert, because I know that obviously the results haven't been so good. But Everton haven't won a cup competition for, for 25 years now. It's 1995 the last time Everton won something. That was the FA Cup. Yeah. Do you think that the squad's now good enough to sort of mount a, a cup charge? Obviously, come the new year, we'll start seeing the FA Cup roll around again. Do you think that that's a possibility? Everton and Carlo Ancelotti going deep into that competition? I, I think it needs to be like of utmost importance at this point. Um, I mean, not... Not to the detriment of, of, of the league by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, I, I mean, the, the good news is I think that they're good enough that barring any, like, massive, you know, like if half the team got injured or whatever, um, they're going to they're, – they're fine. They're not going anywhere in the league. They're, you know, probably good enough to finish in the top eight without much of a problem. Um, but yeah, they got they got to go for one of those competitions. Um, you know, if it's the you know the league cup, the Carabao Cup, or <laughs> whatever we're calling it these days, or the you know the FA Cup. Obviously, um, they're in pretty good shape right now in the in the uh, the Carabao Cup at this point. Um, and you know, they're only a couple more games to go, but obviously it gets harder um, from at this point where uh, you know they're it's mostly going to be you know top top class uh, groups from. Or, uh, other clubs to take on so um yeah i think i think that needs to be something that they they take care of um for one just to get the the sort of stigma off their back type of situation um and they're just to, just to i mean i think to show that you are going after something uh will be you know helpful to bringing in new players and that sort of thing um obviously they have uh you know manchester united <laughs> coming up next in the in the Carabao Cup, uh, who just you know sort of take 
took care of us <laughs> most recently, uh, which doesn't sort of do uh, bode well for the for the um, the the you know the co competitiveness and and the feeling good about going in there. But at, at any point, it, it's it's time to go after that and and really get kick that that. Uh, that uh, trophy <laughs> record and and get rid of it. I think it will it will help. Yeah, put it in the bin. Put That's it right. yeah, put it in the bin. We'd say get yeah, rid yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, the next three games that Everton have got in the Premier League: Fulham and Leeds, mm -hmm. obviously two promoted sides, and then Burnley, who are in the relegation yeah. zone. And that takes us up to the fifth of December. So you know this is a really good opportunity just finally in these next three fixtures for Everton Everton to get back on track. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and you know, having the uh, the players that that I mentioned that have been out or for various reasons um, back after the um, the international break will help. I think the international break should hopefully help. Everyone's kind of rested up, although we did have several players who were out um, playing, and uh, hopefully no major injuries or anything along those lines. But yeah, getting um, hopefully back on track with with. Uh, you know, quote unquote lesser <laughs> teams, but uh, it, it, you know it is the the top flight of English football. So there's only so much, th there's only so far that that phrase goes, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> um, as we've seen in in the past. But yeah, I think getting out there against um, Fulham on uh, on Sunday and and making getting getting those three points, and then you know Leeds is going to be a, a tricky tricky group. Um, but I think. Um, you know, they almost gave it to, to Liverpool in the, the first week of the season. So uh, they can certainly score goals. Whether or not they can stop them is another question. But um, and mm. then uh, and then, you know, Burnley will be, you know, uh, it's one of those teams that we have struggled to break down in the past. That seems to be a, a something that even even recently it's, it's a struggle when, when a team is just like, you know what? You're not getting past us. We're, you know, parking the bus as, as it were, and hmm. and and that will be something that we need to show that we have the ability to do. Um, and if so, yeah, that will certainly get us back on track. You know, hopefully nine points out of that, getting uh, getting the win ways back, and and then the uh, the the cup match with Man United is within that that. Uh, that string as well that's on the 23rd of, uh, of December so that'll be exciting I tell you what we do have quite a few people that listen to this podcast from from North America particularly the United States so if there are anyone sort of listening in who's an Evertonian who's interested in seeing what uh, Carolina Toffees get up to where can they follow you on social media and uh, what's kind of the, the the thought process behind the the sort of the fan group I suppose yeah, absolutely. Um, well, with the, again, Carolina Toffees. So we are uh, covered both North and South Carolina, and I'm I'm actually in in, uh, in South Carolina, but I'm just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. So I am most I kind of hang out with those uh, <laughs> with those groups. Uh, we do have a uh, Twitter handle that is run by um, one of our guys. It's just at Carolina Toffees. Um, so that's mm -hmm. pretty easy to to find, and we have because of the amount of space that our group covers we have um we have uh, meetups all over the the area obviously you know depending on on where people are located at this point it kind of depends on on how close we are we um like the the charlotte area group meets at a um at a uh, place called uh, queen city bites and crafts which is run by an evertonian um yeah. who who opens it up for us even during those seven o'clock matches and so that's really cool. Just kind of a place to to go and, and hang out. But there are other places and in, in other parts of North and South Carolina where uh, where there are meetups. But uh, that's kind mm -hmm. of my main my main hang with with those guys uh, there in Charlotte. So that's that's fun. So shout out to Everett and his group there. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I tell you what, Robert, go and get yourself back to bed because it's far too early to be <laughs> up talking to us. <laughs> thanks for your Sounds time. Sounds good. Yep. Thanks, guys. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall. Alongside me, we've got Marley and Stefan. And we're going to take a quick detour away from the Premier League for the time being. It is the international break. You have to forgive us. But this is a, a huge story in the world of football, which has kind of been simmering away for a few months now. But it really came to a head yesterday. Ryan Reynolds, the actor, has decided to put his hand in his pocket and buy National League club Wrexham. Wrexham, of course, are based in Wales and... 
I tell you what, it's um, it's a fascinating story. It's a story which has taken the football world by storm, and rightly so. It's not often that you get a Hollywood star taking over your football club. I wonder what the fans think of it. And why not hear from a fan, a Wrexham supporter? We're going to hear now from Andy Gilpin, who's the former Daily Post deputy editor and a Wrexham columnist. How are you doing, Andy? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm just I'm still processing uh, a lot of what happened yesterday. I mean, I know we knew, knew it was coming. Uh, we thought probably the vote was going to be a, a foregone conclusion. But just to see the level of, of interest in it, I mean, I, I sat on the sofa and I listened to listened to a, you know a lot of Radio Five Live did a, did a big thing on us. There was ITV News, there was Sky Sports, Sky News. It's it's <laughs> quite surreal to have uh, so much focus on your little club. I mean, it's been unbelievable. And like you say, it's been bubbling away for a little while. Anyone that follows Rex, Wrexham even remotely closely would have known that this interest from Ryan Reynolds has been there for a while. But like you say, yesterday was kind of the final, the final realisation that this is actually happening. I mean, you say that it's boosted the club's profile massively and, and of course that's happened. But I mean, how exciting is it as a supporter and what's the kind of the general the feeling? Is it just kind of riding the crest of a wave, I guess, and see where it takes you? I think probably I will need to put it in context. Now, the context of being a Wrexham fan since we crashed out the league in 2008 has been one of, how can I put this, um, suffering, I think, is the best best <laughs> way to put it. So the club nearly went out of business twice. The last time was in 2011. We were pretty close, but the fans banded together and raised a £150,000 bond in a matter of hours. Now, I was away at the time, but I saw pictures coming in on social media of people just like taking their piggy banks into the local pub where it was being coordinated, you know, bags of cash coming in. That's really how much they 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 um they thought about the club and they wanted to keep it keep it going. So on top of that, there was a couple of close shaves where we we had a pretty good team. We had nine we got ninety eight points one season. We didn't go up. Uh Fleet mm. got hundred and three and they uh Jamie Vardy was just unstoppable. I can remember, remember, you know, when yeah. you, sort of, you look at the, the scores and I'm at a match and I'm going, well, we're winning and Fleetwood are, Fleetwood are still drawing. And at 87 minutes Vardy, 92 minutes Vardy, I was fed up looking at his name by the end of it. <laughs> still hatred towards him. And a couple of close playoff um, games as well that Wrexham have had in recent years. And obviously that real tough division down there in, in the National League. And even though you're going to have this sort of new influx of investment, it's still not going to be easy to get out of that division. Like you say, it's, it's not the particularly easiest division to even spend your way out of, such as the difficulty of that, that National League. Um, so when do you think we're going to start seeing the real sort of fruits of the... Uh, of the Reynolds labour, so to speak. Obviously, it's brand new, it's fresh, the excitement is there, everyone's absolutely buzzing about it, you know, around the place, and the supporters rightly so are too. But when do you think we might start seeing this really kind of sort of starting to take off? Well, I think really it, it, that ties into expectations. Now, now, what what are we actually thinking is going to happen from this? The worry is, obviously... <sighs> There's a lot of talk about the the documentary. The, the, the worry is how much do they want to actually buy a football club? And I say they because I know we've mentioned Ryan Reynolds, but Rob McElhenney, I think, is a big driving part of this. So he's the guy who created um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Very, you know, very savvy businessman. Uh, that's probably the longest running uh, sitcom going in America at the moment. It's, it's very popular, and he sort of created it. He's he's you know he's he, he's good at what he does. So what you need to wonder is how much do they actually want to buy a football club or how much do they want to make a documentary? If it's anywhere near 50-50, we've got a chance because this club is set up, ready to go. I mean, I don't think anyone is thinking of the Premier League. No one is thinking of Messi, Ronaldo. We're, we're nowhere near that. I'd be happy with Joe Ledley and a training ground with a flat pitch. That's my... <laughs> oh, you, you don't know how much we're crying out for a defensive mid. So I think record level before all this was... Mid mid table in the league in League One, pushing for playoffs every now and again. We had a really good youth system. Now I take that again, but that's because I've had thirteen years in the conference, which you know I've been to a lot of you know really good and interesting different grounds. But I'm fed up of it now. But why Wrexham? That's what people will be asking. I know Ryan Reynolds has just sold his gin company for a, a massive figure, but why Wrexham? Um, I think it goes back to the documentary. I think they are very keen to do that. I also think they were looking for a club that is probably set up to go. Now, I've mentioned this before, but 
but Wrexham, Wrexham got taken over by the fans in, in, in just after we nearly went bust in 2011. Um, and since then, they put us on an even, even keel. They've looked after the debts. They've got us a lease with the ground. Um, they've got good sponsorship deals. Now there's plans in, in, in the future for a, uh, for a redevelopment of one of our state, or one of our stands, which has been derelict for, for a number of years. Um, so they put the club on a good footing. Now, if you're coming in as an investor and you're thinking, right, what could make good drama, what's got a good back, back history, but also what is set up, what's ready to go, what can we make successful with just a little push, then Wrexham sits right in the middle of that, I think. I think it's a very, it's a very good proposition for people because there's a decent playing squad there, but the Wrexham Support Trust can only spend within their means. So they can still see another club like Fylde, for example, or Fleetwood were a good example, as I mentioned earlier, who come in and really, really spend a lot and get out of this division. As you said, it's a very tough one to get out of. Only one is promoted. Only one goes off by a playoff. So you can have, like Wrexham had a really good season where you can get a record like 98 points and still not go up. But saying that, if they come in, make a couple of good decisions, get a CEO, which we've been crying out for, have a look at the managerial question, think there maybe do we make a change there bringing in a couple of players on top of what we've already got maybe revitalize the youth system as well then really and truly they've got a really good going concern okay then well exciting times uh, to be a Wrexham fan I think this will probably even boost attendances as well um, naturally when when obviously crowds are allowed back in um, to the stadium so it, it sounds, sounds like a really exciting project and and one to keep an eye on um, it's been great to chat to you Andy really appreciate your time mate where can people find more from you in the work that you do if they do want to kind of um, check up a little bit more about Wrexham and the, and the kind of columns that you write yeah so so the Daily Post which is the the paper the paper that covers the North Wales region. Well, I do a little bit for there and they're covering this. They've got I'm a Celebrity and they've got this on their doorstep at the moment. You wait for a couple of celebs and you get 12 in one go. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I dare to dream, but I'm a Wrexham fan and I'm used to having my dreams being crushed in front of me, usually by Jamie Vardy. So let's just see. Bit of hope, a bit of hope on the horizon. Andy, great to speak to you, mate. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks very much now. So real excitement there. Um, and no surprise because Wrexham was probably the last club you'd think of to be taken over by someone of such a high profile, which led me to, to ask uh, earlier on, if there was a Hollywood star who could take over your uh, football club, um, who would it be? If there was anyone who could take over a Premier League club, who would you want to see in charge? Any celebrity, any actor, <laughs> or anyone like that? Um, Marley, I suppose you would say absolutely anyone, as long as it's not Mike Ashley. You'd even take Bobby Davro. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, if you're going to go for something stupid, why not go? Just sorry, just give it to Ant and Deck. <laughs> <laughs> Ant and Deck can run it. You can have, I don't know, Jimmy Neal as vice chairman and Sam Fender as first team manager or something like that. And, Let's go. Let's go all out. If you're gonna do something a bit crazy, let's just do it. Um, do you know? It reminds me of um, Russell Crowe wanting to buy Leeds once because um, he's a massive Leeds fan, um, and uh, that's genuinely he was trying to put a bid together. He was head, heading up a consortium, but it didn't quite work out. But you know, Russell Crowe, honestly, knowing Newcastle, it would be bloody Bobby Davro or something like that, and then. <laughs> Everyone would be like, "Ah, look at you, look." And would you keep it local like, yeah, then? You've great. mentioned like three Geordies there. You definitely, apart from Bobby Davro, obviously. But you, I mean, you, <laughs> you want to keep it, keep it in the confines of the time. I don't know. We're talking in purely hypothetical terms. So, to be honest, is whoever's got the most money, I'm not really bothered. If anyone's going to overtake the club, it's probably the Saudi uh, royal family that nearly took over <laughs> it in uh, a few months ago. But all of a sudden, we went from uh, buying Kylian Mbappe to signing Jeff Hendrick on a free. But that. When you've when you've been let down like that, you you know nothing really surprises you anymore. So <laughs> yeah, bring on Bobby Davro and Deck and and Sam Fender. And if you don't know who Bobby Davro is, if you're listening to this in America, it, it's just he's, he's worth a Google. It's just funny. <laughs> I'll leave that in the idiot. hands of the people. I'll leave it in the hands of the people. Stefan, what about you, celebrity chairman? Who are you going with? Yeah, I'd I'd go full Hollywood on it, a bit like the guys at Wrexham have done. So. Um... Forget forget history and tradition and it being, you know, part of Edinburgh, part of Scotland. I've got I've got no interest in any of that. I want pure A class Hollywood. 
So I'm going to go in for George Clooney and uh, with with Brad Pitt helping him out. Um, and it'll be a bit like <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. So, in fact, we can rename Hearts Oceans, uh, and our starting Eleven will consist of different different type of utility guys, you know, good at different little things. Um, and to bring a bit of class... Yeah, that really small guy that can fit into a box. Yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly, all that sort of stuff. Um and to bring a bit of class to the whole affair, we'd like be selling like merino wool sweaters in the club shop, and you know, really <laughs> exclusive tie pins, that sort of stuff. Uh, and I think it could revolutionise revolutionise the place. Um, so uh, I'm going to get in touch with him this afternoon. Actually, <laughs> I'm going for Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, just because <laughs> as a chairman, no one would ever disagree with you if you were Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You're just absolutely stacked. No one's going to argue with you. You're rich. I think he's like the highest paid actor in the world, isn't he? So, you know, come on. Why not? Uh, why oh, not get him? That'd be good. If he if he took over someone like, you know, Portsmouth and then Stone Cold went and bought Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> Reignite the, the rivalry. No, I'm going for The Rock. Um, also because I think he's a nice bloke as well. And I think that goes a long way. I'm not saying that Ryan Reynolds isn't a nice bloke. Although I think he might be richer than The Rock now because he sold his gin business didn't he? he sold uh his gin company for like a billion quid or something stupid like that so fair play to wrexham niall Jesus. At, at the portsmouth pie shop uh just above it like you know letters written on the wall will it smell can you smell what the rock is cooking <laughs> will it say that very good i'll tell you what all of our players would be absolutely huge wouldn't they if the rock was was the chairman i mean imagine the, the state of the art gym that you'd have um, at Fratton Park, it would just be ridiculous. You'd see players walking around, just ab- everyone would be looking like Akin Fenwa, just absolutely hench. You'd have a protein powder as the shirt sponsor, 100%. <laughs> Definitely, I'll take that. So I'm going for Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and you can join in the discussion, bit of a laugh on our social media channels, at The Sports Social on Twitter. You can find us, Sports Social Official on Instagram, and also just give a quick search for Sports Social on Facebook, and you'll be able to find us there. Don't forget also to visit the website, sport-social.co.uk, for some of the latest Premier League news on your club as well as checking us out on your smart speaker whether that be amazon alexa or google home you can find us just ask your device to open sports social and you can get match previews and match reviews of every single premier league game right throughout the season but that's it for now thanks very much marley cheers guys he's going to go and uh, google bobby davro for another few minutes and thanks very much <laughs> stefan cheers for your time man yeah thanks man. i'm also going to go google bobby davro <laughs> The top search trend on Google is going to be Bobby Davro, isn't it, after this podcast released? Anyway, this is Football Social Daily. We'll chat to you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.